this edition of Back to Basics with guest pastor Char Broderson. If you and I know that this is not the only life we're ever going to have, then who ultimately cares what happens in this life? Because of the resurrection, we can be free from these ultimate anxieties in this life. We can be brave and we can take risks for the kingdom of God. We can face the worst thing with joy and hope because it doesn't end there. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Char Broderson continues our study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Join us as Pastor Char concludes his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 34, in a message titled, Practice Resurrection. And now, here's Pastor Char. Adam and Eve are kings and queens meant to rule and reign over God's good creation. And they're meant to spread God's kingdom over all of the earth. They're meant to hand over this stewardship to God as a gift back to God. But they failed to do that. They sought to make the world in their own image and after their own likeness. And now we see the results of sin. But Christ will hand over a purified kingdom to the Father, a complete, a whole kingdom in which all sin, all evil, every enemy, every ruler, even death itself has been eradicated. He will hand over this complete and purified kingdom to the Father that God might be all in all. And this is the right ordering of all things. I summed it up this way, in becoming human for our sakes and to be our mediator and savior, the Lord Jesus took upon himself a subjection to the Father. This is the incarnation. And this continues until he is seen to reign in majesty at his return. He is subordinate to the Father as the mediator, though he's not inferior to him, we know that. The Lord Jesus will hand over the kingdom to the Father that God might be all in all. So you see, the resurrection of the dead is this key feature of God's plan to bring back everything in its rightful place and order so that God might be all in all. Now, we went with the Corinthians and their idea of if this, then that. Paul takes us in his direction, if this, then that. But he continues, he's got one more, if this, then that. I said in the beginning that what we believe greatly affects how we live and what we practice. And the facts concerning Jesus' resurrection, our right doctrine and understanding about the end of all things are of huge importance. But they are not told us in scripture as cold hard facts from a textbook waiting to be dusted off once a year right around Easter to just remember. No, the Christian life is to be one continual celebration and observance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Ongoing, daily, again and again, we are to practice resurrection or observe resurrection. It's not just an event in history. It's a life to be lived that will go on from this world into God's new world. And we are invited by God 
to practice resurrection now in anticipation of the world that is to come. And this is what Paul is arguing in the end of this chapter. If this, then that. Paul says, in light of this truth, the assurance of the end, the insurance of the right ordering of all things, the assurance of the resurrection of our bodies, the assurance of the defeat of evil, powers and death itself that's filling up of heaven and earth with the glory of God, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Paul says, go hard for the kingdom of God. Go all in, cash it all in. Put all your chips in. I can't believe I'm using a gambling metaphor from the pulpit. For the kingdom of God, right? That's what he's saying. But this is what Jesus is saying actually in the parable of the pearl of great price, the treasure hidden in a field. Give everything to possess the kingdom of God. See, if resurrection is true and real, then the church should practice resurrection life now. Should live it out now. Well, what does that look like? to practice resurrection. Well, I believe to the extent that God's future world is real to you, it's a living reality, it will change everything about how you live in the present. We've talked about this all along our teachings in 1 Corinthians. It's the proleptic vision. It's eschatological ethics. If the kingdom of God is a place where there is no lack, there's no want, then Christians should live generously now. If the kingdom of God is a place of peace and of righteousness, then we should be peacemakers now. We should be determined to live right by one another now. And in doing this, we put the kingdom of God on display. We're like these billboards saying, coming attraction. The kingdom of God is breaking into the world. That is what eschatological ethics or the proleptic vision is all about, living out the kingdom of God in the here and now. So how do we do this? I think we can simply break it down into two categories. And I like to do it in the calculated and the carefree. How do we do this? It's very calculated, but it's also incredibly carefree. So first, the calculated. If Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, That means we should calculate all things in light of the final resurrection and the coming kingdoms. It means that everything we do in this life has eternal weight and merit to it. Everything. One theologian put it this way. He said, this life is like an internship for the kingdom of God. It's an internship We're practicing, we're training, we're learning in order to rule and reign with Christ in the world to come. Everything we do in this life has eternal weight and merit to it. See, part of the church's task consists in this, implementing that achievement of Jesus and anticipating the future kingdom by doing right by practicing justice and bringing peace to the places and people of the world where it is absent. There are dark regions of the world where the kingdom of God, where its light, where its salt is not known, seen, and felt. 
And the church's task is to take the light of the gospel, the presence of the kingdom to those places and let it shine. Let it permeate as salt does. As I mentioned earlier, I see here this correlation to Jesus' parable of the treasure in a field, that pearl of great price. The exhortation of those stories are to give everything you have for the working and building of the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will add all of these other things to you. He will take care of your worries, your anxieties, and your fears. To live our lives as though the kingdom were here now. That's the call, to begin to practice now the language and characteristics of faith, hope, and love in our everyday lives because this is the language that they speak in the courts of heaven and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the call of the church. To live, to practice resurrection is calculated Everything we do for God, for his kingdom, everything we sacrifice, the sufferings that we endure, Paul says, cannot compare with the weight of glory that shall be revealed in us. So calculate all things, all obedience, all sacrifice by these promises of resurrection and new creation. And then there is also the carefree. Yes, it's calculated, but it's greater than that. It's also carefree. Listen to what Tim Keller says in his book, Jesus the King. He asks a series of questions that I think help us realize the everyday power and freedom that the resurrection of Jesus offers to our daily living. He says, why is it so hard to face suffering? Why is it so hard to face disability and disease? Why is it so hard to do the right thing? Especially when you know it's going to cost you money, reputation, maybe even your life. Why is it so hard to face your death or the death of a loved one? It's so hard because we think and act as though this broken world is the only world we're ever going to have. And it's easy to feel as if this money is the only wealth we'll ever have. If I only have one life to live, he says, I better live it to the fullest. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. I better live it to the fullest by bringing ultimate satisfaction to myself. But if the resurrection is true, then this is not my only life. Listen, nor is it my best life. But the best is yet to come. Man, what a promise. You know, there's this philosopher, a modern philosopher, his name's Luke Ferry, and he wrote a book called A Brief History of Thought. It's fascinating. Um, he falls more into the philosophical thinking of Nietzsche. But as he surveys you know, some of the major philosophies that have shaped the Western world, he believes that the Christian message of resurrection and new creation is the most compelling and beautiful philosophy there possibly is. He actually says, I think it's too good to be true. Wow. And that is it. It is. It is. 
so, it's that good. It's that good. It's like a fairy tale, you guys. It's this comedy. It's a tragedy. It's a fairy tale. It's the greatest story ever told that God has done the unthinkable to rescue and redeem these fallen, rebellious creatures to restore us to make us beautiful in his sight once again and to exalt us to reign over the world to come. It's the greatest fairy tale ever told. It's a total comedy where Sarah, a 90-year-old woman, is pregnant, where the fools and the weak and the despised in Scripture are exalted to the place of princes and kings, and the kings and rulers of this world are cast down and thrown out. And it's a tragedy of all tragedies because we're worse off than we can possibly imagine. The God of glory had to come to earth to rescue and redeem us. It's tragedy, it's comedy, it's fairy tale. And like Tolkien said to C.S. Lewis, it's the myth that is true. It's the myth that is true. Now, not only is the best to come, but Peter tells us, It's imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading and reserved in heaven for us, protected by God. So for those of us, I mean, this might be like, this is an amazing vision, but will I endure? Can I make it? Oh, there is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, nor is it entered in the heart of man, the thing that God has prepared for those who love him. Yes, this truth is for us. This hope is for us. Because of this, then, we are free. We're free to love people liberally. We're free to show kindness to all. We're free to forgive. We're free to think the best of people We're free to loosen our control and worry. We're free to generosity, to give more away because this is not my only wealth. There are riches stored for me in glory. We're free to take ourselves less seriously. We're free to spend more time with people, investing in their lives and less time on securing our own little kingdoms. We're free to bless the people who hate and curse us. And might I even suggest free to read another story to our children. Free to spend more time playing with them and just simply experiencing joy together. We are free to throw a great party or build and plant a beautiful garden. Now, here's the deal. People say stuff like this all the time who have no belief in God or the resurrection, who have no hope in a restored heaven and earth. You can go to Hallmark or wherever. You can find these pithy statements that have no depth, power, or meaning behind them. But how much more can Christians live carefree? If the resurrection is true, if Jesus rose from the dead, your life should truly be carefree not in a flippant way, but because of such a great certainty and underlying hope about the future and the kingdom of God. You're free. You're free. 
If you and I know that this is not the only world, the only body, the only life we're ever going to have, that one day we'll have a perfect, more real, more concrete body, life, then who ultimately cares what people do to you and what happens in this life? And because of the resurrection, we can be free from these ultimate anxieties in this life. We can be brave and we can take risks for the kingdom of God. We can sacrifice greatly. We can face the worst thing with joy and hope because it doesn't end there. Death and chaos and destruction do not have the final word over our lives, but Jesus, the resurrected, grave-conquering king, does. He has the final word, and he says, behold, I make all things new. This is the truth of the resurrection. And so because of this hope, we can give our bodies in obedience to God. We can serve one another. We can have that mind of Christ to humble ourselves. We can die to ourselves, our will, our self-preservation for the sake of others and receive a great reward. Well done, good and faithful servant in the kingdom of God. Now, only in the gospel of Jesus Christ, as Luke Ferry says, can you find such enormous hope. Only the gospel offers this. Only the resurrection promises us not just new minds and hearts, not just disembodied souls, but new bodies and a new creation. Only the resurrection promises that the best is yet to come. So I want to do this as we close. I would love for you just to just receive this. Receive God's vision of the world to come. And just allow it to kind of break over your minds, your hearts, to form your imagination, to reshape your desires, your values. And so if you would, would you close your eyes as I read these two passages of Scripture? And church, hear the word of the Lord. These are his great and precious promises These are the anchor of hope that we have for our souls. In Isaiah 25, 6 through 9, on this mountain, the Lord of heavenly armies will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine, well refined, a sumptuous feast. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For Yahweh has spoken. And it will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is Yahweh. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And John writes, then I saw a new heaven 
and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Church, if you believe the resurrection is true, if you believe that Jesus has died to save you, to redirect your eternal trajectory toward God, if you believe that God has accepted you by, for Jesus' sake, by a sheer act of grace, then you are part of the kingdom of God. And that means a guaranteed new heavens and new earth. That means a healed, physical, material creation, absolute wholeness and well-being physically, spiritually, socially, and economically, if you believe this, then practice resurrection. Practice it. Put the kingdom of God on display. Look for the ways in which God is calling you to do this. Listen to the biblical vision. Listen to what God has in store for people. And church, go to the places where the people are in order to share with them the biblical vision. First, listen. Listen to the hopes and longings. Listen to the heart cry. Listen to the desires of your neighbors, of your coworkers, of the people. Listen in order to serve them, in order to care for them. And then in, when their idol fails, when the ideal crumbles, in order to point to a greater vision of hope, a greater vision of peace, a greater vision for meaning and purposefulness through the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. This is the call of the church. Would the Lord give us vision, grace, energy to step into those opportunities. Amen? Amen. The band's going to come out and just lead us in music. And as we've do, been doing through this series, this is just a time to open ourselves up to God. And so I would just ask that you would take what was shared this morning and just let it just kind of marinate. And like David did in Psalm 139, remember he says, Lord, search me and know me. Know my thoughts and my anxieties. I would ask that you would take this truth of resurrection and new creation and that you would apply it to those places in your own heart, in your own life where it is absent. Say, Lord, reveal to me the ways that I am living inconsistent with your story, with who you've called me to be, with where my future is. Allow the Lord, allow the Spirit to search those, confess it, and like David, we can say, 
Lord, lead me in the way that is everlasting. Correct me. Lead me on a sure, straight, steady path. For the month of April, Back to Basics Radio is offering a timely resource titled One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. Has a skeptic in your life ever stumped you with questions regarding God, social ethics, or supposed contradictions in the Bible? Well, with this book, One Minute Answers to Skeptics, concise responses to the top 50 objections and questions by Charlie Campbell, you can be equipped to address the questions of skeptics on those exact topics and many others. If you want to be equipped to always be ready to give a defense of the faith, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights as Pastor Brian resumes our study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.